Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of you here at Central Campus, all of you in Airdrie with Travis and the team there in uh, Bearspaw Campus with Mike and the team there, Bridgeland with Lawrence and the team, and, and South Campus with Kevin and the folks down there at South. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Now, do you have any uh, Thanksgiving traditions? And maybe traditions is too strong of a word sometimes, you know, for us to think about things that you do regularly at Thanksgiving. Is there anything that comes to your mind? Um, I'm surprised that we're still, you know, turkey is still something that people kind of just go to, right, for Thanksgiving. Um, I've heard that some families and individuals are choosing to not spend a whole lot of time in the preparation of food and then clean up after. And they're saying, you know what, we're going to order in food for Thanksgiving. And whether it's Chinese food or shawarma, and we're going to eat on paper plates, you know, so we just throw it in the garbage and then can spend a whole lot more time together as family. Right? And friends around this season. Um, one of the things that we do as a family, and we have been doing this for years and years and years and years, um, is at some point on the weekend, when we gather with friends or family, we will hand out a blank sheet of paper to everyone who's around the table. And we've got pencil crayons, crayons, and markers on the table there. And we say, you tell everyone, you know what? Write down, uh, not write, draw. Can't use a whole lot of words. Draw pictures that represent things that you are grateful for and you want to give thanks for from the previous year. And so then everybody takes their blank sheet of paper and markers and they're kind of covering up what they're doing, right? So no one can cheat and see what everyone else is writing down and, or drawing. And um, this is my picture from uh, Thanksgiving 2022. And... Um, I, top left corner there, just so thankful for the freedom that we have that comes to us in Jesus Christ, right? That we have, we truly do experience freedom. And then a uh, picture there, GB, that's the family camp, the Bible camp that we go to in the summertime. Um, my uh, family, thankful for my wife and four children, and uh, thankful that I am a child of God. One of my favorite verses, 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we are called children of God. I'm grateful that I'm a child of God. And uh, so that's my picture from last year. So you might want to incorporate something like this, right? As you gather with friends and family over this weekend and just pausing to... You know, do something like that, but to express gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning in Psalm 107. So pull out your paper Bibles, your electronic Bibles, go to this passage, because we are going to be going back to this uh, passage a whole lot. And yeah, it'll be on the screen, but I think you might be able to track better if you had this, you know, in your hand and can follow along here. Psalm 107 begins this way. Um, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. As people, right, we don't want to be people that are ungrateful, to have ungrateful hearts. We do want to be thankful people, people of gratitude. But especially as followers of Jesus Christ, if God is our Father, we do want to give thanks to Him, and we do give thanks to Him. But sometimes it is hard to give thanks because of situations or circumstances or trouble, crisis that we have going on in our lives. It's hard. Um, sometimes we have no idea what to be thankful for as we look at what we're dealing with these days in our lives. We just can't really think of something to be thankful for. At other times, if we're honest with ourselves, the last thing that we want to do is to give thanks. 
Because as we look at whatever it is we're dealing with, the problems, trouble, crisis in our lives, we just can't see how God could bring any good out of the situation or circumstance. And so we in our hearts, we don't want to give thanks because we can't see how this equals up with God as a loving, good God and what we're dealing with. If we're honest, sometimes that's how we feel. And so what do you do when you just don't feel like giving thanks? What do you do? How do you resolve that? It's Thanksgiving. What do you do? <laughs> and then when it's Thanksgiving and you don't want to give thanks, right? And you feel like you have to fake it for a few days while friends or family are around and then you can go back to being your grumpy old self. You know, like, what do you do when you don't feel gratitude in your heart and you just don't feel like the action of giving thanks? What do you do? See, although Psalm 107 begins this way, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. What we're going to see here in Psalm 107 are some stories unfolding right before us of some people who find themselves in some very horrible, awful, no good situations. We're going to see how they dealt with that. We're going to see what they experienced. And what we're going to see is that in the middle of their trouble, when they come to their wits end and don't know what to do, when they come to the point like they feel they're so close to dying and death, when they feel like their life is slipping away from them, they cry out to God in the middle of their trouble. They cry out to God and we'll see how God responds. The point of this Psalm 107 is this, that when you are in trouble, when you have problems, crisis in life, don't turn inward to try and fix and solve the problems yourself. Instead, turn upward and outward to God. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Cry out to him because he is the only one who can guide you through whatever life is throwing at you these days. He will never fail. His unfailing love will always be towards you. And then like we'll read over and over in this psalm, let the people give thanks. Let the people give thanks. And this is such a basic truth of the Christian life. Can't get much simpler than this. When you're in trouble, trust God. But the issue with us at times in living the Christian life is not our lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. It's our lack of putting into practice what we know and doing the things that we need to do. So Psalm 107 begins, give thanks to the Lord. And then we see four stories, four snapshots of how things can go so wrong in a person's life. And as we look through these stories, I know Almost all of us in this room will be able to identify with one or more of the stories that we're going to see here. And my prayer and my hope for all of us in this room is that God will speak to us right in the middle of our trouble, at our point of need, right where we're at right now. And he will either come to us and deliver and save and rescue us from what we're dealing with and... He'll be equipping us for the time when we will encounter problems and crisis and trouble in the future. Join me and let's pray for that right now. So God, as we look at your word to us this morning, 
Speak to us through your ancient text here. Bring truth and wisdom and understanding to our minds. Help us to see you for the kind of God that you really are. And Lord, work in our lives so that when we're in trouble, we cry out to you. When we're in trouble, we can even give thanks because we see and we know and we trust that you are at work in all things for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We ask for your help right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 107. The first story. Here's the first story. And it's a group of people that find themselves wandering. Wandering aimlessly, no direction. Here's what verse 4 says about this first group of people. Here's the first story. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. This group of people here are wandering in the desert, in a wasteland. It could be a very real desert that they're wandering through, and you might be thinking back of the children of Israel, right? Wandering and leaving Egypt, wandering into the desert. It may be a very real physical situation they're in, or it could be a word picture for how it is that sometimes we feel in life. We just feel like life is a desert, it's a wasteland. These folks here, they have no place to go. They're searching for a place. They don't know how to get there. They don't know what direction to take. They have no guidance. They have no, no, no one saying, this is the direction we must go. They don't have a place to belong. They don't have community. They don't have a place to sink down deep roots and establish a home. And they're lost in life. They have no direction, no purpose. They're thirsty, they're running out of food, uh, they're hungry, they're running out of food, they're running out of water, they're thirsty, they're exhausted, they're purposeless, they're vulnerable, they're uncertain about their future, they have no stability, they're aimless, they're lost, and it feels like life, their very life is just ebbing away, slipping away from them. Do you ever feel like this in life? Any one of these phrases just stand out to you like, that's me. See, this group, they have problems. They have trouble, very real trouble. What do they do? What do they do? Verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Do you feel lost? Do you feel like you're in a desert in life? No direction, struggling with purpose. Cry out to God. Call out to Him. Seek Him for direction. Ask Him for guidance. In the middle of the situation you're in, cry out to God. I love what the Bible tells us to do here. These people, they cried out to God and He delivered them. When they cried out to God, there was no scolding. There was no response from God of judgment or condemnation. There was no criticism from God thinking, well, how could you get lost? Nothing like that. Just they cried out to God, called out to God in their trouble, comma, God delivered them. It's stated so matter-of-factly that we could just skim over the profound magnitude of what God did here for them. God is a God of mercy. When we cry out to him, he responds in mercy. When we express our need to him, he comes in mercy. This is the pattern that we see and we'll see here for the rest of the stories. And we see in all of scripture, 
When we cry out to God, God responds. Sometimes he takes a while. Sometimes he responds immediately. We don't know why. We can ask him when we get to heaven. (laughs) But that's just the way God works sometimes. But he does respond. He does. You see, deep down within God and in his very essence of who he is, his character, his being is mercy. Is mercy and goodness and unfailing love. This is the pattern we see. We cry out in our trouble. God responds in mercy. And then we read verse 8. The author here says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. And then give thanks to the Lord. The second story here is a little different. Because sometimes trouble comes our way because nothing that we've done. We haven't done anything wrong. It's no fault of our own. We get trouble. We get problems. But what about when the problems that we have are because of what we have done? It's not by accident, but by our own choices, by our own willful decisions that we make. What then? This is what the second story here gets at. Verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. That's the story of this group. These are people who are arrested. They're captives. They're prisoners. Either prisoners in a very real prison, or again, perhaps a word picture of how people find themselves at times where they find themselves that they are captives, they're bondage, they're enslaved, they're bound with addiction or habits, bound with lies that we believe and can't break away from, bound by ways of behaving that we can't break out of. They can't change. They have no freedom. They, this group, they are in a bad spot, in prison, captive, no freedom. Why is this happening to them, though? Why? How did they get to this place? Verse 11. Because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. How did they get here? It wasn't by accident. It wasn't by chance. Or something that happened to them. No. Their story is they're here because of their own life choices and wanting to do things their way, not God's way. And they ended up here. The people described in this story suffer because of their own disobedience. In fact, the text here says that they despised the plans of the Most High. Despised. And then found themselves in this situation. They thought they could just throw off God's requirements. And instead of following him, they turned their back on him. They did what they thought was right and good in their own eyes, not God's eyes. And the consequences of their decisions and their choices and their sin as life became hard, they became isolated, they became captives, they became prisoners with no way out. What they thought maybe would bring pleasure or fulfillment or life to them now became their master. Can you identify with this story? 
Is this part of your story in part or whole? Have you ever felt this way sometimes? And so what do you do when you have made the prison that you find yourself in? What do you do? What do you do because of, when because of your own actions, you are in the prison that you have made for yourself? What do you do? You don't hide. You don't pretend you're not in prison. You can't clean yourself up. You can't make yourself better to fight your way out, think your way out. Text here says, there is no one to help. What do you do? Verse 13. Then, this is so good. (laughs) Verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. And then we see here again, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for mankind. God's unfailing love. When we fail God, when we despise God, when we rebel against God, when we sin against God, his unfailing love is always there. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Strongest metal in the ancient world that could be described, God breaks it apart. He frees. You see, the pattern here we see again, when we are in need, when I'm in trouble, I express my need to God, God responds with mercy. Even when it's something that I have done or you have done to rebel against God and go our own way. When we call out to him, when we cry out to him, he saves us. He saves us. God responds with such mercy, such grace to anyone who asks him for help. The third story now is much the same as the second, and we won't spend a lot of time on it. So because, again, uh, people, because of their sin, they became so sick afflicted with sickness. They don't even want to eat. There's food there, but they loathe the food that's available to them to eat, and they near the point of death. That's the third story. And what do they do when they're nearing the point of death? Verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. From their sickness, from their affliction, he healed them and rescued them from the grave. Rescued them from their certain demise and death. God rescued them. Here's the pattern again. In our need, we cry out to God, ask him for help, and he responds with incredible mercy. Here's what we see in the fourth story. Verse 23. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. This story here is about sailors doing business, sea merchants, transporting goods over the sea along their trade routes, just going back and forth and selling things. And the text here says nothing good or bad about them. It's just stated matter-of-factly what is. And it's stated that they saw the works of the Lord. Verse 25. For he, this God, spoke and stirred up the tempest that lifted high the waves. 
They mounted up to the heavens and went down into the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Again, this story, they've got problems here. There's trouble. There's crisis. And the problem is that there's a storm. This group of people are described as entrepreneurs who get caught up in a storm and they're tossed this way and that way, up and down. They can't find stability. They can't think of what to do. They come to intellectually to their wit's end. They have no idea what to do. Do you ever feel like this? Do you ever feel like you just don't know what to do? In fact, we have a way of saying that. Sometimes we say, you know what, today I can't even figure out which way is up or down. That's a common phrase that we use sometimes to describe chaos that we're experiencing. We're, we just, we're so disoriented in life at times because of the storms that are coming at us, the circumstances in life. So here's a question. Who caused this storm here in the fourth story? God caused the storm. It says right here, God caused the storm. And it's not because of anything the merchants did that God caused the storm. It's not because of anything the merchants didn't do. God caused the storm. Does God cause storms in our lives? Yes. Does God also calm the storms in our life? Yes. Yes. Can your understanding and knowledge of God handle a God who causes storms? This is problems, trouble, crisis, pain, unsettledness, whatever it might be in our lives. And also be the same God who calms the storms that we face in life. Does your understanding of God, your theology of God, you know, are you able to, to understand this? You see, what if God, in an effort to bring about something in your life of infinite value, infinite worth, what if God wanted to bring that about in your life? Could be your love for him, intimacy and communion with him, growing in your relationship with him. Could be leading you to live a life of greater surrender and dependence upon him. What if God wanted to bring about something of infinite value in your life, even though it grieved him that it may cause you pain or suffering for a little while, that he brought storms into your life in order for him to accomplish what he sees is of infinite value to you. What if God wants to do that? Does God cause storms? Yes. Does God calm storms? Yes. You see, this truth about God will only make sense to you and I if the highest value in our life is intimacy, relationship with God, living a surrendered life to God. If that's of more value to us than living a life of ease and comfort and security and safety and success. And this truth about God will offend you, could offend me, if I or you have a higher value in life of our own safety and comfort and ease and success and achievement in life, that that's higher for us than what God wants to bring about in our lives, this verse will be offensive to us. 
In fact, we may think, I, don't, I, I can't believe in a God like that. But if you reject a God like we see here in Scripture who brings, causes storms and also calms storms in our lives, if you reject this kind of God, then at times when you encounter problems or crisis or trouble in your life, you won't call out to the very God who is the only one that can walk with you through whatever you're encountering in life. And you won't get the help that you need. And so just like in the three previous stories, sailors in the middle of their trouble, in the middle of their trouble, they cry out to God, they plead with him. Look at verse 28, says. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. And he, God, stilled the storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea were hushed. God calmed the storm. And they were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. And like we've read again, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Do you resonate? Can you identify with any of these stories? Any of the people that we just read in these stories? Can you identify in your own life right now, in part or in whole? Do you get what they're going through? Have you experienced this? Are you experiencing this? Perhaps wandering in a desert-like experience, life just feels completely devoid of joy. It's like there's no water, you're in a desert. You're wandering around, no direction. Or maybe you feel like there are aspects of your life that you feel controlled over. That you feel are, you'd say you're enslaved, you're in prison. A way of thinking, a way of behaving, you can't break out of it. Or perhaps there's just storms in your life. You feel like you're being tossed up and down, left, right. No, no stability in your life because of what's going on. Can you, can you identify with these people and these stories? The turning point, the hinge point in every single one of these stories is this. It's when they turned to God, when they cried out to God. Verse 6 then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 13, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord in trouble and he saved them from their distress. Verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. If you are in need, whatever it is going on in your life these days, Whatever it is, any need, any problem, any crisis, you are one prayer, one cry, one call away from God's extravagant mercy. One prayer away. One, one call, one cry away from the God of the universe who will come onto your side and be your advocate with his unfailing, unfailing love towards you. This is the kind of God that we have. This is the God that we believe in, that we trust. This is our Father, and we are His children. This is our God. Don't wait, friends. Don't wait in the middle of your trouble. Don't wait a moment longer. Don't wait and think it'll get better just on its own. Don't wait. Don't delay. In your trouble, cry out to God. 
Call out to him. Seek him. Pray. He will respond. We don't know what he'll do. You don't know what he'll do. You don't know if he'll take a while, take a short time or a long time. You don't know. We don't know that. But what we do know is he will be there in mercy with his unfailing love. You see, when we, when we cry out to God, what we're doing is we're placing our dependence on him and he brings deliverance. Our dependence is on him and he brings deliverance. But how can we be sure? We read it four times here. They called out to God in their trouble. God responded with mercy. But how can we be sure? If that's not enough, how can we be sure that God will deliver, save, rescue? He will come. How can we be sure? Here's how. Six times, six times in the text that we just read of Psalm 107, six times. When something's repeated six times, it's a big deal. <laughs> we got to pay attention to it. Six times, the author tells us to give thanks to God for his unfailing love. The word here, unfailing love, in the Hebrew language is hased. Google it when you get home. H-E-S-E-D, hased. And this word, hased, is magnificent. Authors struggle how to best interpret it and get the meaning from the Hebrew language into the English language. It's a big, 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 massive word. And it does communicate God's unfailing, unwavering, constant love towards humankind. It also communicates God's covenant love with us. Meaning that God established a covenant with us, not on our basis, but on his basis. He established a covenant with himself, agreeing with himself that he will always love us. Even when we don't love him, when we rebel against God, when we despise his commands, when we mess up, his covenant-keeping love is not contingent on our loving him. God is saying, this word has said is his covenant-keeping love, his never-ending, unfailing love towards us. It also communicates God's promise-keeping love towards humankind, meaning that God has agreed with himself and established within himself that he will do everything that he says he will do in his word, no matter what. No matter what. All of the promises in Scripture, God is holding himself accountable that he will keep his promises. Has said. This is how we know, we know, we know, beyond a, shadow of a, 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 beyond a shadow of doubt, that when we call out to God in our need, he will respond because of his has said kind of love for us. It's a fact, friends. It's a fact. We can know this. We, been, we can be confident in this. And so what I would love for all of us to do in this room right now if you resonated with one or more of these stories, part of it you just say, yeah, I'm like those guys. I'm like that story. I'm like the fourth story. I'm like the third, whatever it is. If you resonated with that, if you are in a place right now of trouble or need or crisis or problem, 
and you just want to cry out to God, I want to ask you to stand in this room because we want to pray for you. Whatever it is that's going on in your life. If you want to cry out to God and just say, yeah, I have a need. I want God to meet that need. I'm crying out to him. Don't be shy. Just stand up in this room together. And we want to spend some time praying for you. Way to go for standing up and having courage to do that. At our other campus location, just stand right where you are. And as standing, you're saying, God, I need you right now. Could be a big problem, small problem, massive problem, but you're in need and you're saying, God, I need your help right now. And you're crying out to him. You're not going to wait any longer. You're going to cry out today. Present your need to God and ask him for help. Here's what I'd like for the rest of us to do. If you're standing or sitting close to someone, just stand and put your hand just gently on their shoulder. Don't ask them what's going on or explain anything. Just in the quietness of your heart, just pray for them. Right now, we're going to have a little prayer meeting in this room. Those of you seated, just stretch out your hand as an act of saying, I'm going to intercede on their behalf. I don't know what's going on in their life, but I'm going to pray for them. And we're going to pray for one another in this space right now for a couple of minutes, lifting up part of our church family right in prayer to God. Let's pray. Pray for those folks that are standing. Let's do that right now. So God, in this room, hear the prayer of your people. We pray for those who have stood up among us today declaring their need, not only in front of us, but in front of you, God. I thank you, God, that you see every person, every situation in your omnipotent knowledge. You, you, have, you understand completely. You have full knowledge. And Lord, with that kind of comprehensive, full knowledge by your spirit. We pray that you meet each person here at their situation, their circumstance, their problem, whatever it is going on. And we pray, God, that you come with mercy. You come with power. You come with might. You come with breakthrough. You come with solutions. You come with provision. You come to bring peace and reconciliation. God, come and bring healing. Come and bring forgiveness. Come and bring what is needed, God, to bring relief from whatever problem or situation is going on. And God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are merciful. We thank you that your love is unfailing. And on the basis of who you are, we ask for help. We leave these requests before you. God, help us to persevere in prayer while we wait for the solution that you're going to bring. We trust you. We depend on you. In Jesus' name.